Welcome to another Sunday session, the NRL.com podcast. Where we take you back through all eight games of the round. Round 11 is done and dusted now. My co-pilot, Kenny Scott, is with me as always. And it's also a very great pleasure to welcome Balmain Tigers, New South Wales and Kangaroos legend, Benny Elias, to the podcast. Benny, thanks for being here. Oh, good evening, Chip. It's, uh, I've seen this and heard this from far away, so it's for, it's for town experience and look forward to it. The magic of, um, of technology bring us together. Now, I know you've got some, um, some charity stuff you want to talk about, but I thought um, while you're here, we better start off with the Eels and the Tigers game and, and I guess just the Tigers season overall. My first question to you is how do you feel watching Parramatta play the Tigers when Mitch Moses is going up against the, the team that you played so many games for? Well, put it this way. I think if Mitchell was playing with the Tigers on, on Thursday night, I think we would have beaten them. Uh, I, I think we would have definitely beaten them if we had Tedesco and Woods and Moses. But um, <laughs> we'll have them move on. We've got to move on from that. And um, but look, it, I had mixed emotions. Obviously, my, my obviously my love my love for rugby league and the black and gold. The Tigers are one hundred percent, you know, through and through, without a doubt. And I had mixed emotions because I have a very um, I have a very close relationship with Mitchell. Not because he's my nephew, but just because I I love him as a you know he's a good great kid and. Um, and he's just uh, he's just really finding his way. And at the age of 25, he's certainly coming into his own at the moment, especially this year for the Parramatta side. And it's no secret why they're up up in the top four um, with his influence at number seven. Obviously, the bloke that touches the ball more than ever, um, and and also his kicking game has been exemplary. So yeah, it's look, it's uh, it is mixed emotions. I would have liked to see in a draw, but that's the uh, <laughs> it's not the way it runs. It's uh, the, the, the the Eels were just that little bit better on one. On the other night, Kenny. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I this was we, we've spoken so many times. Every week we talk about a valiant loss, and I and I chime in all disgruntled and say a valiant loss doesn't get you two points; it's worth nothing. But I reckon this was actually a valiant loss that counted um, because there were so many so many things that went against the Tigers that it, traditionally they may have I mean they may have sort of folded a, a little bit. So they had like possession at one point was way against them; it was like a seventy thirty. Um, the penalties was was against them as well as the set restarts. And I'm not saying any of that was, was incorrect. That was just the way the game flowed. Oh, Kenny, if you want excuses, I've got... Kenny, excuses, I've got a thousand of them. No, 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 no excuses here. I, I, could, I could almost tell you that we won the game, uh, even though we got smacked. Go on, tell me. <laughs> no, um, I can tell you in my minute, no, but you can't yeah. do that. Can't be yeah, doing yeah, exactly, exactly. You can't. So, like, and and that and that's why because so much of the flow was against them, but they still, man, they were so determined in defence. Like, they just didn't stop. Yeah. They were. Um, it's it's kind of odd that I say it, but it's like it was like a bulldog's effort, and they they never actually went away. And then and they didn't win the game as well. So it was a bulldog's effort. There you go. Um, but it was. I just thought they that was a loss that they can be proud of, but also. Um, to Parramatta, like it just showed how, how good a team they are. And the stuff you were saying before, Benny, about um, Mitch Moses and how far he's come, I think that um, his solo try for like a chip over the defensive line to catch Dewey out of position and, and score a try that really put Parramatta in the driver's seat was, yeah. it just shows how far that he's come. And I guess, um, yeah, that, that's also reflected in their, their uh, position on the ladder. But there are plenty of moments that the Tigers will take out of that game thinking, damn, we should have won. Like oh, yeah. any any try that, that is scored by a prop forward running from halfway, you know you know you've done something wrong. Like RCG also had a great game, but it was moments like that that I think the, the Tigers will rue. But 
uh, yeah, Parramatta played great, and um, I think I think both teams can take a lot out of that match. Unfortunately, only one gets to take the two points. Yeah, I think what you can what you can take out, you can take out that the uh, the Eels are the real deal this year, without a doubt. Their their toughness is so much tougher than they were in the last couple of years. And because, as you know, I've been watching the Eels closely because of my affiliation there with with Mitch. But the toughness this year, they've just seen they've gotten so much more tougher. The, the, the rule change with the six, again, they've adapted the rules to that quite quite effectively. And um, and, and they've just got, they've got speed. I just love Gutherson at the fullback. You know, as you say, you've got the spine there is very, very strong with, with Brown, Moses, and you, you've got uh, a terrific number nine and a terrific fullback. They're, they're the four best players. They're, they're, and, and four of those players for the Eels are doing very well. And at the Tigers, equally or conversely, the reason we, we have been doing well, I mean, I, I said after round one, and I said it on Fox Sports, that that hooker of ours um, is, is just absolutely representative material, you know. And, and it's a shame that the, the public haven't seen him because there's one bloke in front of him who's just been the best footballer in the world for, for God knows how long, and you just can't get a start in Cameron Smith. So, you know... Um, Grant, Grant is a he's a classy player. He's added so much dimension to the to the Tigers. Um, you know, he will be. I believe still. And I, I'm very very solid on this. I believe he'll be at the Queensland State of Origin hooker and, and and will be there for the next you know for as long as he wishes. What do you? Um, I mean, as a, a great Tigers number nine yourself, is this? You, you'll obviously be very sad if if Grant does go back to the Storm at the end of the year. Do you feel like this is something that Tigers will need to pull at all stops to try and make something happen there? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question, Chris. You know, when, when you say, um, you know, it's like it's like getting married for a year and then, then going, going away. I mean, it's just sort of the kid settled in. He's, he's very much loved up there. He's, um, his recognition as a nine now in the game, in the NRL now, is, is certainly uh, established. Um, everyone's singing his praises. And he's finally been able to, to show the public what he's, what he's all about. And uh, to take all that away from him, and I know that the, the, the terms are that Cameron Smith, if he doesn't sign next year, he, um, he goes back to the Melbourne Storm. And, and I can assure you, Craig Bellamy won't be saying, and he won't be nice and say, oh, look, you guys are such a good club, you can keep him. There is no way in the world. Because you, you, you just don't find players like that. And um, he has just made such an impact uh, for, our, for our club. And he's so, he's, uh, he's so infectious with... A lot of the players around there with his enthusiasm and his character, which is a big plus. And uh, it'd be a real shame to see him go back to the storm. There was one particular moment I wanted to get your thoughts on. I was covering this game for NRL.com, so I was at the ground and I was lucky enough afterwards to interview a young Tigers debutante by the name of Sean Bloor. And my mm. probably the highlight of the whole game was his running battle with Nathan Brown, the, the veteran yeah. Tyro, the madman, picked out the kid yeah. and decided he was going to play play run it straight with him. And uh, and the kid, he stood up and stood <laughs> up to be counted. I, I loved everything about it. Oh, oh, mate, and there's everything to like about him, you know. he's um, He certainly has... Shown that his, his strength and his ability to um, to match it with the best of them, and he was up against the best of them, and as he said, up against Brown, you know, he he certainly held his own, and and I'd even say he won in in a points decision at the end of the day. You know, he could be very proud about that, and and that's what we're doing there at the Tigers. We're we're building a young side, and and if the Tigers, if the Tigers board can can trust in Maguire, 
Maguire is our, is our greatest asset. Uh, Madge is the, the, this is the coach. The, Madge is the greatest asset the club's got with regards to um, bringing young kids through, nurturing them. He understands. Madge is the bloke that had, he had the vision or he had the, the gumption when he was at South Sydney to drop Robbie Farrah for a young bloke named Cook. Now, that was a big decision. Now, you make those big decisions. He's not afraid of making big decisions and dropping big players. He's already seen that with one of the finest NRL players of all time, Jim Benji, and, and last week with Luke Brooks. I mean, they're two big name players. He, he doesn't just pick them for the select because of their name. He picks them for a purpose and he trusts in the young people who are coming through. And, and if we can believe in that, I think the club will be way, way, way much better um, going forward in the next couple of years. You make a, an, interest, an interesting point. So I'm like, I've been a Tigers fan since forever. So I've, I've ridden the highs and lows of, of coaches and, and runs of success and some runs yeah. of, of, of poor, you know, of poor form. Um, and this is the, Maguire's been the only coach that has not, his results are, are good. Like the, the Tigers aren't, you know, topping the table or anything. They're winning no. some and they're winning some. Um, but he's making these calls, like you said, dropping Brooks, dropping Benji, um, that have... They're like inflammatory calls, right? Like a, a fan could see that as how dare you drop a club, club legend. But yeah. nobody seem, everybody seems to be on board and behind his cause. Everybody, mm. Nobody's questioning his, um, his decision-making. Um, and I think that just that tells a lot in where the fan base probably is. Like everyone understands that you've got to, like you, you can't have instant success and you need to build. Um, but mm. I think yeah, he's been the only coach in a long line of coaches, probably since Tim Sheens, where the fan base seems fully engaged in his vision. I think it's great to see. It's, it's funny you say that because when Jason Taylor dropped Robbie Farrah, I mean, they all wanted to shoot him and hang him. You yeah, know? exactly. It was, it was, you just can't do that, you know? Um, whereas he has made these big decisions. Benji Marshall is basically our highest profile West's Tigers player of all times. And he dropped him. And, and, and there wasn't, there was no, no, uh, there was no resistance from the, from the public, especially the supporters who are very passionate socially. You might get it one or two, but, but the, the consensus was, we'll trust you and we believe in you. And, and I think that's what the players have also got that. And, and that, the, the, the support from the public and the, 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 the mad tigers like yourself, like yourself who, support the, who support our great club, they support the decisions made by him because he's no fool. They can see he's not an idiot. He demands respect and he gets it. And he's got the utmost regard for the players on and off the football paddock. And, and that seems to be uh, oozing out in, 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 um, in, in any retaliation or any reject from the, uh, from the public. Mm. So um, I guess we can't sit here and shoot, uh, shoot the breeze around Tigers all night. Uh, you've actually come. We can, yes, we can. <laughs> well, we can do, we can do it off, off air, but we definitely, <laughs> people who support other clubs also listen to the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, let's move on. But you're, you're here to tell us. Um, so you're actually representing Rugby League in the Chapel Foundation Stars Sleep Out. Tell us about that. I am actually. I'm very passionate about uh, this cause. It's fun. Thanks for letting me uh, have a little free commercial on it. Um, look, the Chapel Boys, as we all know, they're synonymous in the in the game of cricket right around the world. Um, and and the Chapel Foundation, uh, they they help the, the the needy, who are the people who sleep on the streets, uh, and they get personalities and past sports and past and present sports people to go and sleep out in the night and try and raise as much as we possibly can. To, uh, to help the people, the needy, and, and, and the 95% of the money goes directly to the people on the streets, which is uh, exactly where we want to be. 
and any money raised is uh, is an absolute great cause for for this foundation. So yeah, head to the Chapel Foundation. That's C H A P P E W L Foundation dot com. Thank you. We'll do the rest of the round in reverse chronological order as we always do. The Titans and the Panthers, many people were tipping, tipping this to be 50-plus to zip, but the Titans put in in, in a, uh, a pretty improved showing. 22 to 14, they went down in the end. Uh, did you catch much of this one, Ben? I did. I just finished uh, watching it on the TV. I thought they played gallantly. They were, you know, the, the Panthers had the majority of the ball for the whole game, and, uh, and you're right, everyone thought it was going to be a cricket score, but uh, they, they showed a lot of resistance, a lot of maturity. Uh, obviously, I think the signing of Fafita throughout the last couple of days, it's been recognised, I think, has certainly injected a lot of enthusiasm and excitement for, for not just the players, but also the spectators up there in, in uh, up the Gold Coast. So, But look, I thought they played well. I thought the Panthers, you know, they had a lot of, they had a major injury toll that moving into this game. And, you know, you can get very easily complacent, but the people that took, you know, the players that took their positions, I think, have been around, around in the, uh, the Panthers juniors and and in, in, in the system, they just seem to just click in fairly well. But a uh, lot, lot more mistakes than normal for the Panthers. But as it was a, it was a very wet, sloggy uh, type of match out there. And uh, they got away with it, but just. Similarly grim conditions in the earlier game. Kenny, I'll start with you. A, a huge upset, really. I don't know how many people expected the Bulldogs to, to jag a win in this one. Uh, Knights coach Adam O'Brien, very, very disappointed. Uh, Described his team as feeling entitled and uh, not putting in the hard work. I'll tell you exactly how many people expected this. Zero. was. <laughs> it, it, came out, it came out of nowhere, but the, the, the writing was on the wall, right? Like, they, they, Newcastle will drop it cold from the kickoff. It's wet, it's cold, it's, like, just a horrible place to be. You knew that it was going to be um, just not quite Newcastle's day. And I'm not taking anything away from the Bulldogs, but the weather... I mean, I guess you, you have to play to the conditions. And Newcastle, I don't think they adapted their game plan at all, whereas that, that gritty... Um, Valiant loss style of play that Bulldogs have been playing all year it paid off in this one because what you need is just, you know, grit, determination, some solid runs in your front row, and then, um, you know, some lucky bounces here or there, and, and the Bulldogs get away with it. So, like, well done to them. If there's any, if there's ever been a team that's down and out that is deserving of a win, it's the Bulldogs. Uh, if you look down the bottom of the table, they've been playing, um, in terms of effort, much higher than their ladder position um, offers them. And I thought it was. Like well done to them. Like yeah, Newcastle had their injuries and things like that, but the Bulldogs, they raced, they they got out to a great lead, and then when Newcastle finally showed some fight to come back, they didn't they didn't drop their bundle at all. They stayed there and they held them out. Well done to the well done to the Canterbury boys. Scotty, I I I think the coach has had a big influence there. Um, you know the change in the guard there a couple of weeks ago. I thought they were unlucky last week against the Dragons. Um, they they could have won that game and. They've backed it up again this week against a, a side that's tipped to be in the top eight, definitely in the top eight, and maybe in the top four. And uh, they they beat them, and they beat them quite well. They were leading 18-0 at one stage and dominated uh, in every area. And uh, Steve George Arliss, who's a great bloke, I can assure you, obviously is probably the quiet achiever when it comes to coaching. And certainly the Bulldogs welcome that victory like no tomorrow. Yeah, they seem to be adapting to uh, his style. The curse of the Newcastle Knights, number nine, continues. They lost Jaden Braley in the preseason. They lost uh, Andrew McCulloch and then Connor Watson to a hamstring and Achilles injury, respectively, probably both gone for the season. So tough times there for Newcastle. Let's go through to Saturday night. Benny, I'll start with you. The Raiders, very tough, very gritty 18-12 win over the Rabbitohs. Yeah, I think gritty is the word. It was exactly what you just said. It was gritty. It wasn't pretty. But uh, they went about their business and they got the numbers. And 
they were uh, expected to win that. Well, they weren't expected to win. It was a, you know, it's, it was a, a good side they were up against, and it was a top uh, flick of the coin. But the Raiders seemed to slug it out. And, and again, I look at the coaches when those games come to an arm wrestle like that. You look at a Ricky Stewart who just, you know, basically he's just, you know, drag him in. You know, he's just tough, just tough, tough way of winning and doesn't care. Just come away with the two points and that's all we care about. And that's the way it looked like and, and I thought that's the way they played on Saturday night. Yeah, Benny, I, I'd agree with you. I think this was... Like, again, play to the conditions. Canberra know how to play at GIO Stadium on a cold July mm. Saturday night. Yeah. Um, and they mm. know exactly what opponents are not going to want to have to deal with. And, that, and that's what they gave them. I thought, mm. it probably goes without saying, that Josh Papali was really good. He's, he's probably like the heart and soul. Of, he's at the engine room for Canberra. Um, if he's having a good game, the rest of the team goes pretty well. I thought uh, Kotrick also, um, I mean, he got the first try, I think, from a Falcon from his own, like his own try assist, or a Falcon from his own noggin, I think. So um, good, 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 good things for him. Um, and uh, I mean, like the, the Rabbitohs could have taken the game. Um, Burgess, again, with a late almost try drop, just, just short of the line. Um, uh, yeah, just not much in it there. But um, that's the way the things, they, that's the way it goes. But I thought... Uh, the best way for, for Canberra to win a game is with a crucial one-on-one steal at the death, and that's exactly how they did it. That's true Canberra wow. style um, yeah. in true Canberra conditions. Yeah, you right. know, while, while just very quickly on that game, and a bloke to who I've got the absolute highest regard for as a player, um, the number nine for South Sydney is, I think Cook's been a little bit disappointing, I think, in the last 18 months. He came on the scene like uh, like Elvis Presley did when he first came out singing songs. And he was he was bigger than Elvis at the time when he came out and he was the the king. Knowing these this game that we're in with the with the six again, he should be dynamic. And you know, no more gang tackles and the quick play of the balls should suit this sprint trainer because he was a beach sprint trainer. So his explosion and his excitement off the mark is phenomenal. And you know, I would love to get with a bloke like him and and just the, the, I reckon we could just wreak so much more value out of him that 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 I just it, it frustrates me not seeing it because this this style of football the new rules suit this bloke right down to the ground and they just seem, he just hasn't seemed to have taken advantage of that position. Um, I expect a lot more from him. I'm, I'm not. I'm only. It's a constructive criticism because um, I'm a big fan of his. I love him. I, I love him as a great number nine. And uh, I just think these conditions suit him right down the ground. So it's all it is. It's a, a 30 second commercial there for him to try <laughs> his game, if he could. Nope, good insights there. We'll go through to the previous, uh, the middle Saturday game, 28-24, Cronulla over the Dragons. Kenny, I'll start with you. This is one of the most entertaining games of the round, but probably the, the headlight, headline coming out of it was the, um, the bunker error at the start of the game that uh, erroneously awarded a, a try to Jack Williams. Yeah, pretty disappointing that, um, that like there's a whole lot of other talking points out of this game, but obviously that one is going to take most of the airtime because it was, uh, I've never seen the bunker award uh, a, a try that shouldn't have been in, in more, like with more obvious evidence to, to off the other way. It's not like it was a 50-50 call. So really disappointing, um, but I don't think the Dragons, whilst Dragons fans will say they lost the game specifically because of that, um, they definitely had their chances. Like right towards the end, a couple of real, um, like Dufty just knocked on and the young fellow, Jason Saab, I think, put it down just outside the line. So they definitely had their chances. You can't, you can't say a decision, uh, sorry, a result was all down to one specific incident. Um, it's all, you know, it's a, it's a long, long list of little incidents adding up to one result at the end. 
Uh, but I thought, look, Cronulla, um, Cronulla were, were obviously really good. I mean, they won the, the match. But I think were, the Dragons should take more out of this than the Sharks because nothing seems to go their way. <laughs> like, the Dragons had, like, no, seemingly no possession. Um, none, of the, none of the 50-50 calls were going their way. No try, like, no try decisions were not going their way at all. And they still managed to almost win. Um, so I reckon the, after this, the, the beginning of the resumption that, they had, that they've had, where it seemed like the club was about to implode, um, to be in the position they are now and to have some, you know, again, another valiant loss, I should stop saying that, um, uh, is puts them in a pretty good position. So, um, you know, go Dragons. Honestly, I thought it was a game, it was, it was very entertaining, that's for sure. It was uh, a game that uh, could have went either way, as you said. Uh, both, both coaches for four or five weeks ago under extreme pressure, both of them seemed to have got out of the, uh, the, the, the hot water at the moment. So. Congratulations to both those because both coaches are great blokes. And uh, I just think that, you know, a high-scoring game, entertaining. Uh, I just think at the end of the season that these two sides, you know, um, will just have to go away and regroup and start to become a lot more lot more determined to be a, a top four or, you know, a top eight side. I just think this year they're struggling both. But uh, back, on the, back on the highway, a few more wins for either of the clubs, I think. Could make make a mistake to get in the top eight. Both precariously balanced as it stands. The first Saturday game, yeah. the Roosters 18-10 over the Warriors. Uh, another game that a lot of people were tipping a, a huge blowout, but the Warriors, they were uh, they were gutsy, Benny. It was the last game uh, before four players uh, head home to rejoin their their families. We, we all acknowledge the huge sacrifices that the playing group has made, but they, um, they probably would have beaten quite a few teams uh, the way they played if they weren't playing the Roosters. Yeah, look, you know, two... two I scratch my head with the Warriors. You know, I, I just, they, they, they're the most frustrating side. They have so much talent. They've got so much to pick from from over there because if, you, if you're not going to become an all-black, well, mate, you can pick up the, the scraps. And the scraps over there are phenomenal. The players, are, they, they love playing the game. They're passionate. The supporters are passionate. I just don't know why they're not more successful on the paddock. They showed their grit. It was a grit. A gritty game against the Roosters the other night, and uh, look, they they should have and could have won that game in any in any time of that match. They were the t- they were on top of the Roosters. They had them frazzled in places that uh, the Roosters normally are under control. I think the Roosters didn't take the game um, with a lot more assertion. They were just taking it for granted. They were just going to get out there and go through the questions. But uh, congratulations to the Warriors. I just I just want the Warriors to become a real force competition. Mm. I want the Warriors and I want the Gold Coast to become real forces in this competition and uh, mm. I think the better and the quicker that gets on, I think the better the game will be. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I mean, everyone wants the Warriors to do well, even like this year, especially because of the sacrifices that they've made. I reckon like if, the, if they were playing any other, any team that wasn't a top four team, um, they would have won this game. It's just it happened to be against the Roosters. Who know what they like? Who know what they have to do when they're probably not performing at their best um, to, to get the win? And like this one, all came down to Luke Kiry. Like he has, uh, he scored the try, I think, to arrest momentum and swing it back to the Roosters. But then he just sort of pulled the strings after that. He's he's come like he was always a great player. He's won like a million premierships at several different clubs. He's a, he's a, you know he's a he's a superstar. But uh, he just keeps getting better and better. Um, he's such a crucial... Now that they've lost, um, you know, Cordner's not there at the moment. They've lost Victor Radley. Um, 
Kiri is just such a crucial cog in the Roosters' machine now, and I think it really showed. If, if you take Kiri out of that side, Warriors would have won. And had they been playing anybody else, you know, below positions one, two, or three, um, all the Roosters, they, the Warriors probably would have won as well. I wonder if, um, CK, do you think this was affected uh, by, like, those players that were, like, homesick or wanted to go visit their, wanted to go and see their families, they've officially left camp, and I think they've probably flown back to New Zealand now. Do you think... Now that that's been dealt with and that's moved on, do you think that's what sort of showed us the new Warriors for at least 60 minutes of this one? Might have added a bit of emotion to the um, the spectacle, maybe sort of trying to send them out on a win. I, I thought Ken Marlowe, who's one of the departing players, was magnificent mm-hmm. uh, in this game. Uh, also good to note yes. that um, we've got a couple of inbound players in George Jennings and Dan Alvaro from the Eels. George Jennings, a, a useful winger, so he'll fill a, a breach for them. Uh, fingers crossed they can produce some more wins as the season goes on. Take us through to the uh, the Friday night game and the Broncos. Another sorry loss, Benny, 46-8 to eight, uh, up against the might of the storm. We've sort of you know, spoken almost every week about what's going wrong at the Broncos, but it's uh, it's almost tough to watch at this point. You know what, Chris? I want to say this. You know, the one thing about rugby league or sport in general is the scoreboard, and you can't deny the scoreboard. It's like in business, the balance book is the indicator of of how your business is going. If it's got red ink everywhere, you've got to do some serious things to start to turn that around. Now, they're in. They've got red ink all over the joint. The Broncos. I feel a little bit for Darren Lockyer, who's a media personality and also on the board of the Broncos, mm. and they aren't the magical questions. I've never seen the Broncos, so since 1988, since they came into the competition, I have not seen the clubs in such disarray. You know, yeah. this is the this, this is the colourful superstar. The facilities are second to none. They're probably the best facilities or well, they are the best facilities in sport, including the AFL, the soccer. They have got the best facilities. They have the best sponsorships uh, to reach out to the sponsors. They have the best uh, oval. Um, they've, got, they've got it all up there. And, mate, they are – there is no excuse for that type of scoreboard. And that, that is embarrassing. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. And you can talk all about it and make excuses. But, mate, the scoreboard is the indicator – for yourself as a, as a sports person and as a coach and as a board, the scoreboard is, is your indicator. And last week, that was disgraceful. It, it just was disgraceful. And I can't say anything more than that. Mm. Well, the Broncos, they came on the scene and pretty soon they were playing finals winning yeah, comps. They had Lewis and Langer and Renoff and Hancock and you know, Lazarus and, and all these superstars. It's absolute superstars of the game, a virtual rep team. And then it, it, it's... In a mess at the moment, the, the roster's unbalanced. They got all these superstar young forwards, and their, their spine's not firing, and um, not too strong in the outside backs. And the the coach doesn't seem to be on the same page as the players. It's like you said, it's just a bit of a mess. And they've lost their number one player. Their number one player now for feed is going to the Gold Coast. I mean, there's got to, this 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 club is the super rich club. They've got plenty of money, so money's not the issue. Money cannot be the issue for Fafita to go. Fafita has gone, I mean, he's gone to a club which aren't doing much, not, not doing just as bad as, as the Broncos, just. You know, so it's, you can't have a, um, uh, a blank on that. But I've got to say, Fafita to go from a club which is supposed to be the, the premier club in, the, in this NRL competition, to see him go from that is you've got to ask. There's got to be an inquiry. You've got to ask the board. You've got to the public, the, the Queensland people, or the Brisbane people up there have got a right to know the reasons why Fafita did not re-sign with the Broncos. 
that is a real, real kick in the teeth there for them up there. And, you know, that's just another knockout punch for them to, to really do some strategic and some very desperate things ASAP. Kenny? Yeah, it was, it was often, I mean, you never, the Broncos famously uh, don't lose players they want to keep. Um, and they definitely wanted to keep David Fafita. So, uh, you know, I, I do think, the, the, I mean, the money the Titans offered, if it's, if it's true, what's been reported is, you know, no one's going to refuse that, that, kind of, um, that kind of contract, that's for sure. But I think you, the Broncos have to look for, for positives. Uh, the first 15 minutes is probably the only positive they can take from that game because they, took, they, they were expected to lose for, on, on um, previous form, like 80, 80 nil. And after 15 minutes, it was six all. And they showed some real determination in defence. They seemed up. They seemed energetic. Um, but just in true Melbourne fashion, they sort of toyed with them for a while. And then, you know, the, last, the second half just really, you know, tore them apart and piled on 40 or so but points. Um, I, but they're in I, a, I like, can, you know, the Broncos are just in a... I, I, can, I can live yeah. with Fafita not go, going for the money. But, I mean, they could not have been too far away from the number. It's more than just the money. I can assure you. If he's gone for the money, he's gone for the wrong reason. I'm sure, I know, the Broncos have got enough deep pockets enough to keep a player of his calibre at the club. If it's $80,000 difference, you know, that after tax is not that much money for a player of his calibre. And he, he is a player that attracts other players to come to the club. Who are the players now at the Broncos that want to come and sign up and be playing with these other players? They want birds going back, apparently. They want to eject him. They've got their captain or their ex-captain now on the on the scrap heap. I mean, they've got all sorts of strife. I mean, they've got no players there that are going to attract other players wanting to come to the Broncos other than their own people. They've got a vast amount of players to come through. That is their biggest asset, is their juniors. It is a tough situation. We haven't even talked about the Storm, who were absolutely fantastic. Ryan Pappenhausen was brilliant. Jerome Hughes was brilliant. The, the forwards were great. And their wily old number nine, Cam Smith, was absolutely transcendent. You said it all. You said it all. I mean, yeah. Mel- Melbourne, Melbourne. I don't know if Melbourne had a bad game since uh, Bellamy's coached them. I mean, mm. I, I can't remember a disastrous yeah. game anyway. Um, he's just... He's just a complete coach, and that oozes on to the players and, and that culture. And that is what Queensland haven't got, the, the Broncos. And, mm. and the Melbourne Storm, yeah, you're right, 10 out of 10. What a, what a great side. They, it never panicked. they just always in control. They're very professional. They seem to lose strike players and replace them with no, no names who play almost, if not as good, as the player they replaced. And, you know, they're just... Such a great system down there. They've got such a great culture. They believe they stick together on and off the football paddock, which has a massive influence for their results. Um, you never see any trouble out of that place. They're very disciplined and, and have high expectations. And that comes from the very top, which is Craig Bellamy. Last but not least, the Cowboys and the Seagulls up there in Townsville. 24-12 would end up being to Manly. The, the Cowboys are pretty bad to start the game. They kind of got their way back into it. Uh, they've obviously just parted ways with their coach. What did you make of all this? Kenny, you want to take that one? Oh, well, like the Cowboys, I mean, they didn't, they didn't just lay down, that's for sure. The, like, I think Manly, the way Manly are playing, um, they've got some key injuries out, but they, uh, they've got a 
you know, they've got one of the best, probably the best halfback, or say, say top three halfbacks in the game at the moment in DCE. So you can't discount any manly side ever. And the Cowboys are in a bit of a rut. I, I would have thought that, you know, um, Green moving on and it's time to change coaches that generally, at least anecdotally in my mind anyway, that means the team, you know, comes out and tries to get a win um, straight after the things like that happening. But uh, Manly just, I mean, they were, what can I say? They were, they were just too good. I reckon a lot of it came down to the Cowboys' attack. They really only seem to be, um, you know, the only, the only plays to try and kick it, like bomb it to Felt and hope he gets a try, which worked a couple of times. But I didn't see them try anything else other than that. So perhaps they just need... Uh, you know, need to sharpen, sharpen the sharpen the razor when it comes to their attacker. And had they, um, you know, some other options, they might have got away with a win on that one. Yeah, you're right, Kenny. You're right with the number seven DCE. He's just amazing. You know, yeah. he's probably one of the top five players in the game at the moment. And uh, and Manly need a top five player, especially with Tom Trevojevic, who has been out injured. Um, he's certainly taken the response extra responsibility and really has steered that side. They had a good win last weekend, gave him a bit of confidence. They got a very, very shrewd coach in Desi Hasler, um, and and good on on Manly. I think they're they're just doing enough to sort of get it week in week out and just stay in that top eight. Some great insights there from everyone. That's the uh, the end of a monster round eleven Sunday session podcast. Reminded everyone head to thechapelfoundation.com and hit the donate button to support Benny Elias and Rugby League in the uh, the Chapel Foundation sleep out. Benny, it's been an absolute honour and a privilege having you on, Kenny. Thank you as always, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank, Thank you. you guys.